Hi, this is Philip Millman from the Generic Board Gaming Podcast. All the board gaming content you could possibly want at a fraction of the price. And this is Vic from NaveCon, and you're very welcome to our little get-together this afternoon. So Vic, what have you been playing? I've been more case of what I haven't been playing. We ran a NaveCon recently, so I got to play a lot of games. But the one that is sticking in my head an awful lot is 878 Vikings, the Invasion of England. And I am enamored with the game, and I'm also puzzled because it's a tough game to win as the Vikings. How about yourself? What have you been up to? Vic, I was at a friend's house for uh, the holidays recently, and so I ended up playing some older games and a couple new games. I ended up playing four episodes of Wrath of a Shardalon, which is a Dungeons & Dragons cooperative game that's actually pretty good. It's been a while since I've played it. One of the reasons we were playing it is one of my friend's kids wanted to play a D&D game, and I thought this would be just kind of a fun one to get them introduced to. So production quality is very good on this game. I forgot how much fun I had playing with it. I've also played a bunch of Azul, which is a nice, for me, thinky filler. It's probably right on the border of being a filler. And then I've also played recently, well, I played a learning game of Martin Wallace's London version 2.0. Oh, lovely. I do like an Martin Wallace. I I have version 1.0 and uh, I like it. I know it's very like all his other stuff, but it's a lovely, lovely game. There's something about it. Yeah, it's Martin Wallace. You go broke. You get loans. uh, Well, actually, no, there wasn't loans in London, was there? Actually, while you're talking about Azul, I have it. I got it recently at NaveCon and I started playing it and I'm still undecided what I think about it. It's a strange kind of a game. It's a little on the strange side. I really like it because it is about the meanest tile laying game you could possibly imagine. And it's not tile laying in the Carcassonne sense either. It's set collection kind of, and it's also who gets dumped with the most tiles at the end of the round so that they get screwed, which I kind of (laughs) like. And you should too, Vic, you should too. Yep, I'm such a nice person. I hate to see people suffer. What I found about it is I reckoned having played about five or six games of it that I need at least another five or six games before I see the lay of the land and kind of figure out good plays and bad plays. But I do... there's something bringing me back to it. It's beautifully produced and so on, but I can't quite say what it is, but I still want to play a bit more of it. It is one of those few abstracts that I keep coming back to over and over again, because it really isn't an abstract game. Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's totally off the wall. I mean, you know, somebody rolled the dice and came up with the theme for it. I like how you said it's off the wall, since the whole theme of the game is putting tiles on a wall. You saw what I did there. Come here. What, what, what are we going to chat about this evening? We, we, we were having a little chat between us recently, as we do. Tell the nice people what we're going to do and what we're all about this evening. Yeah, it's more like blather as opposed to chatting, but sure. So we've been thinking long and hard in between our regular day jobs, which we both have, about what is the point of our podcast? What are we talking about? And how do we differentiate ourselves from the hundreds of other podcasts and YouTube channels? that are dedicated to board games. What we've evolved into now that we've had seven podcasts under our belt, this being number lucky number eight, the point of this podcast is to present topics that aren't really currently being discussed that we think are of value to both our listeners and to remind ourselves why we're in the hobby. And from a very general point, and we'll go into the specifics later, Board Gaming 101, or what is it to be a board gamer in this hobby? The business of board gaming, what does it mean to be an industry member of this board of this hobby? And don't forget, this is a business. There are people making money and livelihoods out of it. Not a lot, and nobody's making huge coin. 
but they are making a living on this hobby. Talk about games that are classics in a segment that we're going to call the Wayback Machine or the Wayback Game. We haven't decided yet. And then lastly, an aspect of the industry that I don't think gets enough love and enough discussion, game stores, whether they're your favorite local one or conventions. So in discussing this with Vic, we thought this might be where we want our podcast to go and to focus for certainly the foreseeable future. We're not going to be doing playthroughs because Vic and I have real jobs that require us to travel, to work long hours occasionally. We both have families that require our time. So we thought in the sort of spirit of what does it mean to be a participant in this hobby, those type of discussions. And you've already seen some of it already, especially in our discussion where we talk about the economics of the board gaming industry and the technology of the board gaming industry, which we did in episode uh, three or four. So Vic, you want to start about, start us off with Board Gaming 101? Yeah, Board Gaming 101 is something that's kind of evolved as we've talked about this. And it's where we cover a variety of different subjects that are the base mechanics of games. And when I say mechanics, it's it's what makes you a board gamer, what what makes a board game. And it's it, the, the kind of foundation of board gaming, whether it's a particular type of mechanic like worker placement, dudes on a map, or what it means to be a gamer what it means to run a board game night, what it means to go to a convention and you know become involved in particular aspects of it. And that's something we're going to discuss. And, and it's funny because on, on kind of looking at this at the start, we kind of thought, well, everybody knows this. But then again, we're appealing to a wide enough market that some people have only started their journey into board games. Some know a hell of a lot more than we do. But it doesn't matter. We're the ones doing the board game podcast, you know. And if there are people out there that know a hell of a lot more, I'd love to get them on for an interview. And the other piece of this sort of board gaming one on one, besides the you know the mechanics and the genres, and there's and board games are very much like books. There is a genre for everyone, and there's a quaint saying we have in the hobby: everybody loves a board game. It's just the books they haven't found a board game they like yet, and and that's sort of like books. There are mystery books, there are science fiction books, there are romance novels. Same thing with board games. There's every genre possible, pretty much, uh, with the exception of making cheese. But I, sh- I assume that's going to come because we have one about we have two board games about making wine. We've talked about mechanics, but the other piece of it is, as from a one-on-one perspective, is there's a lot of lingo in this hobby that a lot of people don't know. And so, as you get involved in the hobby, you hear things like AP or FLGS. What do those mean? What do those things mean? And those are the type of things that we are going to discuss. We will probably start creating an acronym list for our website once that goes live, just to help people who are new to the industry, uh, new to the hobby, be able to understand what's going on. Because a lot of the biggest hurdles for people entering any new hobby, any new job, any new corporation, any new country, is what language are they speaking? And we want to help with that. One of the other things they touched on there was the economics of board games because, and it's certainly of, of, of interest to both of us, I don't think there's people out there that are, you know, there's a lot of people out there that would be interested in gaming and would love to do it for a living. There's very few people doing it. It's just like music where there are some hits and so on. But people do make a living. I know people who run game shops. I know people who run conventions. Not that you can make a living running a convention just yet, but there is like the the dream is to do what you like for a living how about getting paid to play games how bad is that 
you know, that's, that to me is your retirement job to keep you sane. <laughs> you know, it's better than having us shout at the traffic. I thought it was kind of hurtful. It was, it was more a hint to stop shouting at the traffic and, you know, we can discuss this in the other podcast, but the economics of it and, and certainly from, from Philip's background and so on, like looking at things like costs, the, um, you know, the changes in taxation and so on, how that's going to affect board games. This is coming down the line and we're, we're going to have a good chat about that and, and, and dedicate a, bod- a podcast to it, which will mostly be Philip talking and me going, aha. The other thing which really interests me is the way back segment. There are many classic games out there. A lot of them haven't stood the test of time. Some of them have. Some of them are still uh, as good as the day they came out. And we're going to talk about those because a lot of people won't be aware of them and what's available out there. We're all, anybody who's been involved in gaming in the last few years would be aware of Kickstarter, would be aware of the hotness and so on in games and the new stuff and the new and shiny stuff and so on. All this new and shiny stuff is fantastic. It's great. But you may have overlooked games that are really really good and really you should play you know these are kind of your bucket list games games that you should play before you die and the the we're going to tell you all about those to continue that and there are a lot of games out there that we will be discussing there'll be that are older for instance vic's number one game diplomacy which came out in 1959 twilight struggle which came out i believe in the late 80s early 90s San Juan, Puerto Rico, all of these older games still hold up, even though a lot of the board gaming industry is the cult of the new. And that makes sense from an economics perspective, because where you're going to make your money are on the newer games through the Kickstarter, when you have that initial surge of everybody buying and then it trickling later. Some of these games have been around a long time and they're still very much worth review. I also would like to point out in our Wayback segment, we are going to talk about out-of-print games. There are games that are not available anymore. Uh, People just can no longer produce the games, either due to litigation, the company's gone out of business, which does happen in the board gaming hobby, as it does in every other line of business. And we're going to talk about some of those as well. And maybe we'll talk about case studies, like Crash Games, which went out of business uh, a few years ago. The problems with the publishing of Glory to Rome in the United States. It's just not, it's not going to happen. So those are the type of things that we're also going to talk about, where we talk about an older game, but also talk about some of the reasons why it's out of print. Lastly, and I think just as importantly, we're going to talk about the board gaming hobby experience. A lot of us meet around our table or our friends' houses and play board games. And that's great. But there's also a very large convention. As part of the board gaming industry are conventions. And that is a great way for you to play games that you don't own, to meet a lot of new gamers, and to be able to get more involved in the hobby itself. And I don't think we talk enough about the convention experience. A lot of what we see on YouTube and on other podcasts that we listen to is when when these people go to when they go to conventions, they talk to the publishers, they talk to uh, the designers, which is all very important, but they don't tell you, well, look, I'm going to my first convention. What's it going to be like? What do I have to worry about? What are some of the etiquettes about going to a convention? And there is a convention etiquette. We're going to talk about that as you get more involved in the hobby. We will be helping you understand 
what it means to be a participant in the hobby, especially at a convention. And then the other part of that, that we're, you know, sort of that section that we're going to talk about is the game store. And we all have game stores. People typically buy online. They typically buy on Kickstarter. But a game store is one of those places where it helps to center a gaming community as well as allow you to try, play, purchase games. Yes, it won't be as cheap as an online realtor, but you get a service for being there, playing games there, and buying games there. And I think it'd be worthwhile to talk about what does it mean to be a game store owner? What does it mean to have a game night at a game store? And what is the benefit of engaging a game store? And again, game stores come in and out of business too, just as big box stores like Sears or Macy's. So in summation, in conclusion, because I've spent too much time with lawyers, so I say summation a lot. The four things that this podcast is going to be dedicated to is the Board Gaming 101. What does it mean to be a participant in the board gaming industry? The board gaming industry as, as an industry, the economics, the technology, even supply chain issues, which will probably be an issue upcom- in the upcoming years. Go back to the classics. What, is it, what does it mean to be a classic game and why should we be playing these games? And we are going to be talking about specific games. And lastly is the what I would call the board gaming experience outside of the home, which is the game store and the convention. Hey, Vic, do you think I missed anything? I think you did a very good job on that. One thing I would say is what's of interest to me would be a little kind of bits that are add on, like how to run a good games night, how to organize a games group, how to organize a convention, because this is something that's of interest to me as well. So I think we're going to cover a lot of angles between the two of us. And I, I know, as you've said before, you're you're heavily involved with the online aspect of, of running forums and so on and ad- adminning those. So I think between us, we'll cover a lot of interesting subjects on this. Yeah, and Vic is being a little bit uh, humble here. He runs NaveCon, which is a growing convention in Southern Ireland, which is doing well. And it's, and it's seeing a very nice increase convention over convention. It's a little unusual. It's not an annual convention. It's a semi-annual convention. Yeah, no, the, 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 in but fairness, it, it, it's gone very well. The, uh, a lot of people like it. It's become a, a regular for people. And it's, it's more a kind of, it's not a family affair unless you consider your friends who you game with as family. But what it is, is it's, a, it's like a games night that's been extended out to a couple of hundred people. And it still has the same atmosphere of a games night. If you had a big enough kitchen, you'd run one of these. So I'm having a lot of fun organizing that and running it and so on. Next one's September, and we'll see how that one goes. Oh, yeah, yeah. One of these days I'm going to get over there and so on. Once uh, For now, we'll stick to podcasts. I think it's best to keep us separated. One thing more I'd like to add is we're going to start having interviews with hobby participants. And not only will it be the people who create games, who, who have production companies who produce games, but also people in the industry who are participants as well and get their insight. I think, and it's sort of like a, you know, a man on the street type of segment but also to help you get an an understanding of what it means to be in the hobby. And we want to broaden this out to everybody so that they have a real feel of what it means to be in the hobby, as opposed to which is the new game that has the new hotness that is burning brightly for six months. And then it goes away quietly in the night. Yep. Bang on. Um, Listen, I think we've covered it pretty well there. Have you anything to add, Philip? I'm just kind of curious how your board gamer can be 
your board game friends could be uh, considered family when you lie to them all the time in diplomacy. <laughs> You're assuming they don't lie to my family constantly. <laughs> and so on, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think I lie more than I tell the truth, and and that could be a lie as well. If you've ever played diplomacy with me, you'd, you'd realize very quickly where I stand, or perhaps you wouldn't. I think that's about it for this evening. Let's wrap it up on that. We're going to come back with a full podcast next time. Yep. Thank you very much for listening in. We enjoy your comments and we enjoy your input into this. And if you want to talk to me, you'll find me on navecon.com. And Philip? I'm on Twitter at the Board Game Rabbi, and we do listen to comments, the few and far between that we get. We will be putting up a website. We will be getting an email. So all of that will be coming shortly as we become more legitimate podcasters. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I'm just going to say enough about that from my family perspective. I am legitimate, <laughs> despite what Vic thinks. So with that, I want to thank everybody for listening. I hope that you continue to listening now that we've focused on our podcasting topics and content. And we'll talk to you later. Take care.